wanted to draw your attention to something quickly. The second announcement listed here, brothers and sisters, is all about our new prayer room ministry. And it reads, follow along with me, we invite you to join the prayer room ministry and take turns praying for our congregation and community rotating Sunday mornings during the worship hour. See Beverly Stratton for more details and to sign up. This exciting new addition to our ministries here at Ferris Church is going on as we speak on the other side of the church building. If you're here this morning and you're interested in learning more about this prayer ministry, uh, get with Beverly if that's the case. And if you, I think most of us here know who Beverly is. If for some reason you're here and you don't uh, see me, one of the elders will point you in the right direction. Or maybe this morning you're not specifically interested in being a part of this prayer ministry, but you'd like to learn more about prayer in general this morning. This message is for you. How to pray. Some of us here, I'm sure, have been saying prayers for many years. Others, maybe not quite so long. Maybe we have questions about prayer. Maybe some of us have been confused in the past about the way prayer is supposed to work. Or maybe we've thought of prayer as kind of a magic formula. Maybe we, that we've recited to God. We're hoping that he'll listen to what we ask of him and respond accordingly. Maybe this has led to us being disappointed in some of the results we've seen after we've prayed about something. You know, maybe we've taken a look at this broken, sinful world of ours. We've been tempted to give up. Actually, maybe we've actually given up at times in being people of prayer. Has this happened to you before? You know, maybe we've wondered, well, what kind of difference does it even make if I pray in the first place? Why should I pray? Maybe we thought, maybe some of these people on TV, some of these people on social media, maybe they're right when they scoff at thoughts and prayers after a tragedy, right? Maybe my thoughts and prayers don't make any difference. Maybe my thoughts and prayers aren't worth pouring out for others. Biblically speaking, brothers and sisters, in light of the recent tragedy in Florida, since Cain and Abel, and really, since Adam and Eve, the problem in this world is not an abundance of thoughts and prayers. The problem is we've let our thoughts overtake us instead of surrendering those thoughts to God in prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 tells God's people to pray without ceasing. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. That's what this says. Goes on to say in that same chapter, Philippians 4, 7, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, your prayer life makes all the difference in the world. Makes all the difference in the world. One author has said, for the believer, prayer is supposed to be like breathing. Easier to do than not to do. 
This is regardless of what's on our hearts at the moment. We shouldn't hesitate to always keep on praying if it's on our minds, if it's weighing on our hearts in any way. The Bible says God wants to hear about it. 1 John 5.14, God wants to hear about it. The fact that men and women are called to be people of prayer can be observed in no better example than that of Jesus Christ. Luke 5.16 says Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. How much more do we need to be people of prayer? That's Jesus. How much more do we need to be people of prayer? So I encourage you, brothers and sisters, whether it's getting involved in this prayer room ministry at Ferris, whether it's emptying out a, a closet for prayer in the privacy of, of your own room. For those of you who saw the movie War Room, we had a group that went together and saw that a little while back. You'll know what I'm referring to. Regardless, I encourage you to pray, to pray and to pray often. And maybe some of you are are nervous about prayer this morning. That's okay. Maybe, maybe you get cold feet when you think about praying, especially out loud in public prayer. If that's you, that's okay. Maybe you think, well, the, the wrong things are, are just going to come out of my mouth when I'm praying in front of people. I just know it. I just know that's going to be the case. There's an old joke about a, a little boy whose aunt was getting married, and his mother was maid of honor. After the wedding rehearsal, the minister had to leave for another commitment, so the nephew of the bride was asked if he'd like to pray before the traditional rehearsal dinner. After telling his dad, well, I don't know what to say, the boy's dad responded, well, just say something that you've heard your mom say. So just before the food was served, the boy bowed his head and called out, Oh, Lord! Please get this day over with. I can't stand the guy she's marrying, and these shoes are killing my feet. Now, that might sound like, quote, the wrong things coming out of somebody's mouth, but what does Jesus have to say on the subject? What constitutes praying poorly anyway? Well, turn with me to Matthew 6, verse 5 for the answer. It's going to be on the screen behind me. Jesus says this to his followers in his Sermon on the Mount. He talks all about prayer. And Jesus says this to us, to his followers. He says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Verse 7. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Let's stop with verse 8 a moment. If you listened to our message last week, uh, whether you were here, whether you uh, listened to it maybe online, from the first four verses of Matthew chapter 6, you'll know we talked all about the difference our motives make. 
our difference that our own motives make in, quote, practicing our righteousness before others. I know we may get cold feet over praying in front of others. Maybe we're afraid others will hear us and think our, maybe our prayer skills aren't up to par. But Jesus makes it quite clear in our text that the only prob uh, problematic prayers are the prayers that are said for others in the first place, the ones that are said for others. And so the only kind of public prayers to be embarrassed over are the prayers that are said to impress the public. Look how Jesus stresses this point in verses 5 to 8. Skim through these. What does Jesus say here? He says, don't be like hypocrites. Jesus says, don't pray that you may seen, uh, excuse me, that you may be seen by others. Also, don't heap up empty phrases to be heard. And so basically the opposite of what, you know, we've often been taught maybe by tradition, maybe by a church liturgy somewhere, to feel about prayer is true. We like to think the fancier the better, right? Wrong. Basically, Jesus is saying, verses 5 to 8 of our text, Oh, church, if you're at the prayer meeting and it's your turn to stand up and pray, and all of a sudden you feel the need to show off to people your knowledge of 1600 Shakespearean English, you know, or all of a sudden, instead of English, what comes out of your mouth sounds a whole lot more like Pig Latin. And of the Father, you know, and from the atonement, and, and because of the hypostatic union, and ill way, uye, et ge, on if it way. You know what I mean? We've all heard this kind of meaningless banner before. Jesus says, guys, verse 7, this stuff's what the Gentiles, the nations, the religions of the world, that's what those guys do. But believe it or not, pseudo-religious babble said to impress people doesn't have any place in individual or corporate prayer. And this is a praise. This is good news. This is good news. When Christians talk to God, we don't have to speak at other people's standards of speaking, even if we're especially if we're praying with other people. We don't have to feel pressure to seek the praise and the reward of one another. Our brothers and sisters on earth, we only have to seek our Father in heaven, verse 5. That's good news. And so instead of keeping the focus on public prayers altogether, Jesus in verse 6 turns our attention instead to those prayers that are done in the prayer closet or in the prayer meeting room or somewhere away from people because these are the same kinds of prayers that we want to be saying no matter where we are. No matter where we are. Public or private, prayer is between you and God. Between you and God. Jesus says in verse 6, when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Isn't that great news? Religious hypocrites try to fool others and themselves by giving God lip service, but God knows whether we're really praying to him or just mouthing some words. Verse 8, your father knows what you need before you ask him. So let's mean it before we say it. Amen? So now that Jesus from the Mount, he's told his followers in verses 5 to 8 the conditions for prayer from the inside out. Now he's going to tell us how to pray. Maybe it'll sound different than saying something you've heard from your mom right before rehearsal dinner. I don't know. I, I was blessed to have a mom and dad who taught me to pray like Jesus. 
Here's how to pray like Jesus. Let's read the rest of our text together this morning. This is verses 9 to 13. Jesus says, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And that's where the text ends here in this, what we've called the Lord's Prayer. And at this point, if you're like me, and hopefully you're not like me, because that's just going to make the world a scarier place. <laughs> but let's say you're like me when it comes to hearing this text from Matthew 6, 9 to 13. You, you get to this point, you start thinking, first of all, I've heard this before. This scripture, I've heard it quite a few times, and we have. Many Bible scholars, many commentators agree this verses 9 to 13, the Lord's Prayer, as we often refer to it, is one of the most frequently quoted portions of scripture in the Bible. I tried to find a statistic on that. I couldn't, so there it is. It's just, it's frequently quoted. But then if you're like me, you might think about this text a second and start thinking, well, what happened to the end part? What happened to the thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory forever and ever? We usually tack that onto the prayer somewhere here, don't we? I mean, what happened? Did I get a bad Bible? And the story goes, if you happen to have a King James or a New American Standard, your Bible may even have that expression, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. At the end, this little outro to the Lord's Prayer, many of us have committed it to memory. It doesn't show up in the earliest manuscripts of the Gospel of Matthew, neither is it in Luke's version. So this means the newer Bible translations of Matthew, such as English Standard, which is what we have up here, New Revised, generally leave this phrase out. They go right into verse 14. I'm not saying one uh, lineage is right and the other is wrong. It just is what it is. Okay, we got that part out of the way. There's a second part to this learning how to pray from Jesus that might bother you because at first it bothered me. If Jesus tells us first not to store up empty phrases and instead tell the Father what we need, what, why does he turn around and give us a prayer to memorize and recite? It kind of strikes me as funny. I mean, it doesn't seem to, to run counter to speaking from the heart. And this is what's important to remember. When Jesus says in verse 8, your father knows what you need before you ask him, he is going to go on to tell us immediately just what we need. He's going to go on to do that in this prayer. When we pray like the son, as one commentator puts it, we actually pray the types of things that the father will honor in our prayers. We'll honor in our prayers. And so the Lord's Prayer is a guideline for prayer, not because it's a kind of magic formula, but because it's a model of Christ-like desire. It may be the Lord's Prayer because it contains words that came out of the Lord's mouth, but it's also the Lord's Prayer because it reflects God's ways and God's thoughts for his people. Might make a note of Isaiah 55, 8 to 9. I'm dry today. I think if we're honest, we'll admit that the Lord's Prayer doesn't sound like it would uh, naturally be one of ours anyway. 
Let's read through it again. Read through the text with me again, and let's go thought for thought here. Let's, let's just be honest with our thoughts in comparison uh, to the Lord's here. Verse 9, Jesus says, pray then like this. He says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And in case you're wondering, Hollywood is not the place in California where all the stars hang out. Luke, I thought you'd crack a smile at that. No. Oh, man. That wasn't even, that wasn't even on Luke's level. Woo. I'm in trouble. Okay, Jesus, I'll pray that. No problem. No problem. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, I'll pray that. Wait a minute, Jesus. Does this mean that I can't pray for what I want? Uh, does this mean I can't ask God for my kingdom to come? Hold up, wait, hold the phone. My will, my will done in my, in my church and in my home and workplace and, and family and friends, I praise my will is done in heaven? Uh, this isn't a prayer for Christians to be praying? I, I don't know about you. I don't think I like the sound of that much. I mean, Lord, I just, I just assume my, my will was his too, as long as he's blessing me. That's the American way, right? And when we look at this and we think about this a moment, not to say we can't pray for the desires of our hearts. But the Bible says in Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So let's keep that in mind here. Sometimes what we want, sometimes what we will, what we desire, runs contrary to the will of God. God-honoring prayers will start with God's will for us. Jesus continues in verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. Think about this. Give us this day our daily bread. Think about what he's implying here. I mean, I'm thinking, I don't know about you, but uh, give me this day my five-course breakfast at the Hilton. Give me this day my lunch down at the casino, right? Give me this day my dinner at the Hard Rock Hotel in Ibiza, Spain, where Chef Paco Roncaro serves 20 courses of seafood cooked in his own juices for a mere $1,700 a head. Right? I mean, really, by the way, I'm not kidding on that price tag. Google it. I don't know how many of you are up for that kind of dinner this evening. If you are, bring me back a Hard Rock t-shirt if you would. But the point is, I don't think many of us sitting here, if we were honest, really want to pray to God, give us this day our daily bread. Right? I think most of us want, I think most of us expect much more from God on a daily basis. This word that we've translated daily literally means necessary or existence. Give us this day our essential bread, what we need, what we need. Just this day's sustenance, no more. Verse 12, Jesus says this. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And we've translated the word debts. We've translated the word debtors. Here we could also translate the word sins. The Gospel of Luke does this here with the words of Christ. One commentator notes, the exchange implied here by Christ is that one who cannot offer forgiveness cannot receive it. But those who can forgive will be forgiven. See Matthew 18. Uh-oh. Next week, we're going to talk uh, to greater extent about forgiving others. But, but, but at this point, and I just have to be honest with you on this point, folks. If someone I loved was, was one of the 17 killed in that Parkland, Florida school shooting last week, and the man with the gun approached me and asked me to personally forgive him of murder, you better believe it would take the grace of God for me to do so. 
It would take the grace of God. How about you? According to Jesus, that's exactly what it takes in some instances, like this one. Maybe some of you remember this. On October 2nd, 2006, uh, another gunman walked into an Amish schoolhouse in uh, Nickel Mines, Pennsylvania, murdered five Amish girls and wounded five others severely before turning the gun on himself. You may remember when this story hit the news. And the most surprising part of this story the week it happened wasn't the intrusion of evil. It was the response of the local Amish community. This community not only publicly forgave the killer, but privately reached out in compassion to the killer's widow within a week of the shooting. How were they able to offer such forgiveness? This was a community that knew how to pray. This was a community that knew how to pray. One author on Amish life notes, the Amish pray the Lord's Prayer at every communal service, Sunday church meetings, weddings, funerals, ordinations, morning and evening family prayers also included. He continues, the message is in the self-surrendering nature of Amish society. From an early age, one of the first rules Amish children learn is to forgive those who trespass against them. Outside the Amish community, forgiveness often runs against the grain, he, he concludes. And my friends, I'm not, I'm not suggesting that we should all uh, quit our jobs and join an Amish community, but whatever debts you need to forgive so that you may be forgiven, I challenge you to take these before the Lord in prayer. The Lord's Prayer rolls off our tongue. It's not so easy once we stop and think about the words, right? Christ beckons us to pray. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And the prayer lesson doesn't even end on this point. We're not even done here. Jesus concludes the prayer. Read with me verse 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And this is the part where I'm thinking, lead me not into temptation, really? I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I don't think I need any help going there, right? And that's the whole point. I, I am just no good when I'm on my own. There's, a, there's an Elvis Presley classic. Maybe you remember this song. Maybe this rings a bell with you. It goes like this. If you're looking for trouble, you came to the right place. If you're looking for trouble, just look right in my face. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> He's getting ready too, isn't he? <laughs> but brothers and sisters, believe it or not, Elvis was on the right theological track with what he was singing here. On our own, if we don't allow God to lead us away from temptation, we're going to be nothing but trouble. Sometimes in the church, we like to talk about, we like to mock and put down those ancient Israelites of the Old Testament. We like to talk about how disobedient they were. After all, God did for them through Moses, you know, got them out of Egypt and got them to the promised land and got them out of exile and so on and so forth up until the time of Christ. We remember that when God's people depended on the Lord, they were delivered from evil, Deuteronomy 4.29. But just as soon as God's people started doing their own thing, Given into temptation to sin, turning their backs on God, Deuteronomy 4, 25 to 28. But friends, we somehow forget that God's people make the exact same choice today. 
If we're not depending on God, we're people heading for temptation. If we're not depending on God, we're people bound for evil. We're people looking for trouble. And we're people heading to the wrong place. But Jesus from the Mount, as we think about these words, as we really stop and break this down line by line, we see that through some of these people 2,000 years ago, delivered this to us, knowing we needed to pray, showed us the way. The question continues to be today, do you pray the prayer of the Lord? Do you pattern your requests, model your prayers to the Father after the example Jesus has given us? We haven't learned this prayer. To model our prayers after this, we're likely to do a whole lot worse. I've got another old joke this morning. May I share it? I feel like I've got to ask for permission now. Oh, might as well. Old joke about two friends. Names are Bob and Gary. Bob and Gary were talking one day, and Bob announced to Gary that he wanted to go into ministry. Astonished, Gary said, you, a minister? In disbelief, he continued, well, I'll buy your dinner if you can stand here and tell me the Lord's Prayer. Why, everybody knows that, Bob answered. It goes like this. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Gary paused a minute and even more astonished, took a step back and said, Where again, Bob, did I say I was buying your dinner? We, we've come up with some strange ideas on what Christ has actually taught us. By the way, that example of Bob's is, isn't in here. But this is our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, please don't think, friends, that, that when you stand, when you sit, when you kneel towards heaven, that they all have to sound identical to Matthew 6. Jesus prayed some other prayers too. John eleven forty one prayed countless others, which we don't know the specifics. Luke 5, 16. The Lord's Prayer is not an exhaustive example of what, but it is meant to show us how. It is meant to show us how. I'd like to close with a, a thought from John Piper. Piper writes, Jesus' prayer for you is clear. We find it here in the Lord's Prayer. Today you need God uh, to move in these three ways. You need God to provide for you. You need God to forgive you. You need God to deliver you. Provide, forgive, deliver. We all need these three things. All three of them are found in Matthew 6, 9 to 13. So why should you pray? It's God's will that you do. And how should you pray? Like the Son of God has first shown you. Are you ready? Our Father in heaven, we praise your name for you are holy. Lord, we pray that today and in all of our days, Lord, that, that you would give us what we need. Lord, we pray today, we pray in all of our, our days to come as well, that you would forgive us. Forgive us, Lord, where we, where we fall short, where we fall short of your glory. 
Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would have the courage, we would have the strength to show the grace that you have shown us to others. Lord, it's not easy. It's not easy in this life, in this world, to pass that grace on, Lord. Help us, convict us. Steer us away, Lord, from the path I want to go down. Get us away, Lord, from those obstacles that keep us back from you and your way and your will. Please, Lord, deliver us from evil. I thank you, Lord, for the church. I thank you for everyone gathered here today. And I pray, Lord, that, that we would come to you, we would, we would talk to you, we would depend on you, as you have shown us how, so that you may work through us, that your will would be done in this world and that we would make a difference because we're allowing you to work through us. Lord, I pray that we would become people of prayer. Please continue to show us how. I praise you. I thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace. It is in the name of Jesus I pray these things, amen. It's grace that took Jesus to the cross, made that ultimate sacrifice, covered anything we could come up with that's against, contrary to the will of the Lord. It's been covered. You just have to accept the gift. Follow Jesus from here unto eternity. And if you haven't yet made that decision to go down into those waters of baptism, to come up new, new creatures in him, we extend an invitation at this time to do that. Or if you have another public decision you'd like to make this, this morning, as Brother Gerald comes, we're going to sing Word of God Speak as delivered to us from the Word, who is Jesus. Would you stand?